0: I'd like to invite everybody to stand. We'll have a word of prayer, and then we will get started with worship. Lord, we want to thank you for bringing us all together here today safely. I want to thank you for everything you've done in our lives throughout the week and everything we know you'll continue to do. I just ask that you come be in our midst today to worship you. In the name of pray. Amen. second turn around and say hello to somebody My name's Allie, and we're glad you're here. If you're new here, go ahead and pick up one of these forms from the seat back in front of you. Fill it out and drop it in the offering bag as it goes through. May 7th, after the 11 a.m. service. Join us for a chicken noodle dinner. Proceeds help pay for the women's retreat. $6 for adults and $3 for kids under 10. Thanks. a retreat meeting after services next Sunday. Parents of youth who are going to encounter or want information should attend. See you there.
1: In the announcements. If you need any more information, go to our website or pick up a bulletin. Thanks for being
0: here and enjoy the service.
1: How are you? Mark said that was me singing on the All You Need Is Love. I thought it sounded pretty good. I thought it was one of the Beatles. Um, Franklin, uh, on what is the 29th or something like that, the food truck thing. They're they're doing a they're shutting down the one street and they're in food trucks, which they got a food food truck food truck park. And we're gonna set up our thing and do uh games. So they they want someone to come and do games because we have all those uh games that we do like at outreach. So if you want to help me do that, you're welcome to do that. Okay? Uh a lady in our church her name is Beth Warner, and she's a sweet lady, and uh she usually does stuff she has liver cancer, so she's been having trouble. She's going through treatment, and then she's, like, in surgery this morning, so we want to pray for her, okay? And so, uh, and then we'll pray for the offering. So if you're a guest, my name's Chuck. Thanks for hanging out with us. So let's say a prayer. So, Lord, we lift Beth up to you. I pray you just be with her today, Lord, and I pray for the doctors that you would just uh, use their gifts, Lord, to heal her. Uh, Lord, I just uh, thank you for her and her family. Be with them, too. So Lord, I ask you to bless the offering. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen.
2: All right. Good morning. How we doing? Anybody raise a teenage girl? Are they crazy? Is, this pos- is it possible that they're crazy? So Annabelle yesterday comes down and she is wearing tights with sweatpants, t-shirt, hoodie, hoodie on, and she's complaining about her bedroom being hot. And yet during the wintertime, she just wears shorts and t-shirts and complains about the house being cold. Anybody else have this? Are we the only ones? She's yeah, apparently over somewhere over here there's one there's one amongst us here. Watch out. <clears throat> so yeah, we're dealing with that. It's it's a new adventure every day with a teenage girl. Um yeah, so, a little, you guys want a little cheat, a little hack, communion hack? These new ones that we have are really hard to open. So I would suggest opening it. Start it now. <laughs> Start now. That's what I've been doing. But we've learned we've learned the hack. So the little my, my mom wanted me to share this with you guys. So this is, this isn't me being a crazy person. This is just having to do what my mom tells me to do. If you take the little tab and you break it, then it opens up the seal, makes it a little bit easier to open the rest of it later. So there you go. There's your put it oh thank you, Dad. Push it down and break this thing. So there's your little communion hack for the day. If you're a guest, we're starting a new series and uh called Fifty Days to From Easter to Pentecost. And so we're gonna look at the, the few interactions that Jesus has with his disciples. In between his resurrection and his ascension, which happens on, um, well, not, not even his ascension, uh, the day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit comes and indwells the church. And so we're going to look at those stories in between that, in that in between time. Good? Sound good? You guys don't care. It's whatever, right? So we're, today we're going to be in Luke, uh, chapter 24. And so if you want to turn there, that's fine. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. It'll be on the screen. And so let's take a few moments simply to kind of, Uh, Be quiet to center our hearts and minds and uh, then we'll we'll get going Father, we thank you for this morning, and Holy Spirit, we ask that you just come and open our hearts and our minds to you. We we carry all kinds of stuff into this room, worries, uh, baggage, pain, brokenness, um, and we just lay it before you and we give it over to you. And so And We ask that you just guide us and speak to us, and in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Luke chapter 24, it says this. Now the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. Now when it says, when Luke says the same day, he's talking about uh, the resurrection Sunday. Jesus has left the tomb. And some of the women have gone and they have, they have found the tomb empty And, and yet these two guys, they're, they're on their way home. So you have two disciples here and and we don't know a ton about them, but they've been following Jesus. And I imagine they've been following Jesus for a couple of years now. And he's been arrested. He's been tried. He's been executed. And the party's over, right? They have to go home because what are they going to do, stick around in Jerusalem? And so I imagine they're on their way home and they're trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to tell mom and dad? Because, you know, their parents are probably mad at them because they left and went following this crazy rabbi guy around the the country. And now they got to eat crow and just explain to themselves Yes, I think this is funny, by the way. I don't know. They got to explain what happened. And so they're making their way home to Emmaus. And it says that, about, that, that Emmaus was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. It says that he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still with their faces downcast. And one of them named Clopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he says, what things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all of the people. And the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our own our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. And they came, and they told us that they had seen a vision of, an, of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. And he said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if we're going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. And so he went in to stay with them. And he was at the table with them. He took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And so you have this story. You have these two guys who are on their way home from Jerusalem they're going back to their hometown and uh Jesus appears to them but it says that they at first they don't recognize him and uh this is an interesting story to me because you have you have kind of, I think you have at least two things going on here you have this this interesting interaction with jesus appearing to these disciples here on their way home i i imagine that they're a little bit distraught right could you imagine investing your life for three years into into this movement and then the leader being captured and killed and for the last three or four years or three years he had been guiding them and in, 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 in some sense their north star on how to live their life and there's this great hope and anticipation that he's going to set his people free because they are in many ways under the occupation of the Roman Empire. And so you have all of this hope. You have all this expectation. He has transformed their lives. He's guided them, teaching them how to understand the world that they live in and to, to follow him and, and to make a difference in the world. And all of these things, that they've put all their eggs in this basket, if you will, and it's all gone. Yeah? And so they're on their way home with no hope, with no guidance. I imagine in, in some sense in, in much despair. And Jesus shows up. He comes walking alongside of them. And they had cell phones. And now I'm just kidding. Everybody gets so nervous about cell phones going off during church. And yet in this moment, and it says that they don't, they don't recognize him. And, and so you just have this very interesting story going on. But I believe that one of the reasons perhaps why Luke put this in his gospel is to teach us a lesson or give us a pattern for how you and I are to learn to interact with Jesus every day. Because here's the thing. Sometimes, sometimes it's hard to recognize God in our lives, isn't it? Ever find that? Sometimes it's hard. I I don't know about you, but for myself, I've had seasons where it feels like God is all around me all the time, and it's like I'm constantly interacting with Him and all these types of things. And then I've had other seasons where it's like, poof, He's gone. Ever have that? Ever have that experience? And the the thing that I've learned over the years is that life is this very odd up and down. You have seasons of your life that are beautiful and, and a celebration, and and it's amazing, and everything's going right, and God is, is blessing me here in this moment. And, and then yet other times you'll have things that happen, and it feels as if God just completely just, and is gone. And I don't know about you, but for me, it, it often, it, it can feel as if like God is giving me the cold shoulder. Ever feel like God's giving you the cold shoulder? You guys don't want to admit it, apparently. Am I the only one? Maybe? I don't know. And, and how do we deal with that? How do we deal with that, that, that reality that it felt like God was here, but then He's not or whatever? And, and how do we learn to see Jesus in our lives? And and for these disciples, how are they going to continue to follow the way of Jesus, even though he's no longer with them that he's he's going to ascend with, to be with his father? like how does this thing continue to to go and and for me, it raises this question: How do we learn to see Jesus in our lives, especially when it feels as if God is nowhere to be found and and, and oftentimes. The circumstances of our lives influence this a lot. And so the question I want to kind of wrestle with is this. How do we learn to see Jesus in our everyday lives? Which leads us back to this passage. It says, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Now that's an interesting sentence for me, what does it mean that they were kept from recognizing Him? Is it Jesus who's concealing Himself from them? Or is it simply the circumstances that they have faced in the last several days that's blocking their ability to see? Because let's think about the last 48, 72 hours of their life. Their best friend, their leader, their savior has been arrested. He's been tried. He's been killed. And and the show is over for them. And I don't know about you, but I know that for myself, grief and pain can blind us from God. Yeah? I've had several seasons in my own personal life and also in, in the lives of of you guys where we've had to journey through grief. And one of the things that I always find myself asking and probably in my heart the most, whether I'm experiencing grief or I'm walking along with you guys is, God, where in the world are you at in this? Yeah. Like that's that for myself. That's one of the biggest questions. God, where are you in this? Or I don't know. You guys watch the news hopefully not but if you're a glutton for punishment then yeah maybe i don't i turn on the news and i see the things that are going on in the world and i think to myself god where in the world are you in all of this because sometimes it feels as if he is nowhere to be found and i imagine that's what's happening here when it says that they were kept from recognizing him their own pain their own fear their own brokenness, their own despair, their own grief is blocking them from seeing that Jesus is actually there the whole time. And that raises a question for me. In those moments when I don't feel like God is around, is Jesus walking alongside of me the entire time? And I just, I don't have the ability to see him. And so perhaps you could say it like this. Learning to see Jesus in our lives begins by trusting that he is with us even when we don't recognize him. Now, in the midst of grief, in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering or whatever it is that kind of engulfs us in life, it's easy to walk along and and, and believe or think to ourselves that Jesus is nowhere to be found in this. But it's been my experience that when I go through something, walk out of it, find some relief, and then look back, I can actually see all the places God was along with me in that. Does that make sense to you guys? And so I would begin by saying this, is that if we're going to see Jesus in our lives day to day, It begins by trusting that he is with us all the time, even when we don't recognize him. Good? All right. Leads us to the next thought. As they're walking along and as they're explaining to this stranger on the road about what happened to this Jesus, he challenges them. He says to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And it says, And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, if there was a conversation that you could be a fly on the wall to listen to, this would have been the one, right? Because it says that he, he says, beginning with the, the prophets and Moses and all, going out through all of the scripture, he's talking about the Old Testament here. And so you have this this conversation where Jesus is explaining to these disciples how the scriptures were pointing to him the entire time, which, like, these guys should have wrote that conversation down, right? That would have been the one. That would have been the commentary of all commentaries to have. That commentary. They could have made millions of dollars. So at least i laughing at my terrible jokes. Makes me feel good, I'll keep going. And so he begins to point out, no, you see this, that's actually that, that's about, that's about me, or this. And, and he begins to explain to them what's going on, which is very helpful. Because you guys, I don't know, you guys read the Old Testament? Sometimes it sucks. So it's just like, what is going on here? And so perhaps you could say it like this. Learning to see Jesus in the scriptures aligns our hearts to see Jesus in other places. Now, what do I mean by that? My heart gets off track. My heart can get really hard towards other people. I can get disillusioned. With life, or distracted by all the things that are going on around me, and uh, what I've noticed through the years is that when I study Scripture, it does something to me. It kind of opens my heart back up. Even notice how what the disciples say; it, they they say later, reflecting on their interaction. Go, uh, go yeah, go to the next one. They say, we're not our hearts burning within us while we talk, while he talked with us on the road and opened the Scriptures to us. And, and they, so they even say, like, through this interaction with this Jesus talking about these Scriptures, says their hearts started to burn again, started to get, catch on fire, to open up. And I know that for myself, when interacting with prayer and Scripture and, and those spiritual disciplines, it does something to to my heart because my heart can get cold and it can get distracted and it can get off course. And interacting with the scriptures helps me get back on track. Now, here's the thing about the Bible. You might be like, I don't want to read the Bible. I don't know anything about it. And that's, that's okay. The Bible's not a book that needs to be mastered, right? It's not an answer book. For me, it's a conversation. It's, it's these, somehow these people that have gone before me, their interaction with God. And somehow in the midst of the whole thing, God is interacting with them. And when I enter into the stories and, and meditate on these scriptures and, and pray through them and think about them and reflect on them and try to to live out the principles that i'm learning from it somehow some way i 'm in, in, in a conversation with God as well it's as if he speaks to me through it. everybody understand what I'm trying to say here yeah and so one of the ways that we begin to see Jesus in the the world around us is through reflecting on scripture and praying and thinking through scripture because it changes the way that we see everything else yeah makes sense and so we have ways to do that we um we we teach a way to to read the bible using a a practice called soap and it's you just read a passage make an observation application pray and then for me it's one of those deals where i just kind of try to chew on it for the rest of the day and it helps guide my heart because if you don't allow god to guide your heart something's going to guide it your fear is going to going to guide your heart your anxiety is going to guide your heart the 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 things that perhaps the people in your life are trying to get you to do those things will guide your heart and and your heart's just going to follow whatever whatever's out there and so for me it's a it's a deal of allowing god to guide my heart and the way that i connect to him is through prayer and scripture good you guys all right need a commercial yet i got to hurry because i got to pick up pizzas for youth groups. So on to the next. And so we begin to see Jesus in our lives through trusting that he is with us even when we don't recognize him. We continue to see Jesus in our lives by thinking through and interacting with scripture so that it can, can change our, transform our hearts to begin to see him in other places. And then the story continues. It says they get to the house, they get to the village, and the guys are getting ready to go in. And Jesus is pretending to be, I'm just going to keep on going. Maybe he is, who knows. And they say to him, hey, it's it's almost dark. Won't you come in and hang out with us? You can stay here for the night. And so he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he began to give it to them. And then it says, then their eyes were opened and they, what's it say? They recognized him. But then, turn of events, he disappears from their sight. Which is like, what? This whole time, they couldn't see him. And in the moment that they can see him, poof, he disappears. Like, what is Jesus doing here? And I think what Jesus is doing here is he's giving them the ability to see him and everything else so he doesn't have to be with them in the moment, which is what we're all called to do. We are called to begin to able to recognize Jesus everywhere. And that's the way that we live in this world when he's not with us day to day for these disciples. Does that make sense? Sort of. So what am I saying? Perhaps you could say it like this. Learning to see Jesus in community... And communion attunes us to see Jesus in everything. And so he's given them this pattern. One, trust that I'm with you all the time, even when you don't see me. Two, trust that you can begin to recognize me through the study of Scripture. Three, when you get together with other believers and when you share this sacred meal Understand somehow that even though you don't see me, I'm here. My presence is here. Which begins become the pattern, if you will, of the church when they would gather together. Trusting that Jesus was with them. Studying and seeing him through scripture. Celebrating in community and within communion. Once a week or whatever, when they would gather together. And knowing that he is somehow present with us. Why do we gather together once a week as a community? Why do we have one holy, sacred day as a faith tradition? I would argue is to be reminded that we have one holy day to point to that all days are holy. Yeah? Why do we have one sacred meal that we eat as a community together once a week? To be reminded that every meal that we share with other people is sacred. Why do we gather in a community together to celebrate and to worship? Why did, why, and we celebrate this Jesus on the cross and, and raised and we believe that this somehow God became incarnate as a human being. Why did the God in the Old Testament not allow for his, his people to make images of him? Maybe it's connected to the reality that somehow we're all made in the image of God. And that when we gather as a community to, to sh- share our, our lives together and to, to worship this Jesus is to be reminded that we are all made in that image. That all of us are sacred. Yeah, does that make sense? And so we begin to see Jesus and God moving everywhere. All meals are sacred because this one meal is sacred. All days are sacred because this one day is sacred. All, everyone that you meet is created in the image of God because God himself came in our, in the image of humanity. This whole thing is humming with Jesus's presence all around us. And when we recognize it, well, that changes everything. Yeah. And so we trust that Jesus is with us all the time. We see him through Holy scripture, we participate with him in community and communion, and which leads us to one last thought. It says that when this had happened, they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. And there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together. And they were saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Perhaps you could say it like this. Seeing Jesus invites us to share Jesus with others in our lives. When we begin to see this holy mystery that's going on around us all the time, we just can't help but point it out to other people. And the way that God meets us and comforts us and and guides us, we can't, we cannot help but point it out. This experience that we are having. Now, you don't have to be like Chuck, right? Because. Sharing your, I don't know about you, but I hear sharing my faith. I get like nervous right, right now. Anybody else? Like dad, dad would, he would share the gospel with a cat. (laughs) Here's a side story. Side story. He somehow has tamed all the squirrels in their backyard. So he goes out there and starts playing his guitar, these worship songs, and guess what happens? All the squirrels come to the porch might also have to do with the almonds that he feeds them. I don't know. But dad would share the, the good news with anybody and everybody. But if you're like me, a little bit more introverted and whatever, yeah. but we're still called to share. And so I, lo- I love the quote from St. Saint, uh, Saint Francis who says, Preach the gospel in all that you do, and if necessary, use words. Meaning this. In our lives, we begin to see Jesus in everything. We can't help but love and serve, even 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 the least of these, the last, of the the poor, the, the imprisoned, the people that you hate, your enemy. You begin to you begin to see Jesus even in them, and you go and you love and you serve those people, and you begin to point out Jesus to them, and you begin to share Jesus with them. And there's even this interesting story that reminded me of. Jesus has told the story about when you've done these things to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Meaning Jesus says that when you and I, we love and serve the people in our lives, even those that we don't like or don't believe they deserve it, that somehow in that interaction of loving and serving other people, we are somehow loving and serving God. Yeah? And so Jesus gives the disciples a pattern on how to interact with him, even though he's going to be with his father and it's the same pattern that you and I are called to live in as well, where we trust that Jesus is with us all the time. We see him interacting with us through scripture and meditation. We begin to notice our heart attunes to the re- reality of him all over the place and through community and communion. And that because we see Jesus, we can't help but share. Good? You guys done? I'm done two questions. What's God saying to you? And what's one thing that you can do about it today? And so we're going to take a few moments simply to reflect on this. And then we're going to share communion together. And so let's just uh, so Holy Spirit, we ask that you come to speak to our hearts in these next few moments. You have one of these, grab it, take it out. Hopefully you cheated and opened it up beforehand. If not, we'll wait on you. Every week we take part in this, this ritual, this reminder of who, who Jesus is and who He's calling us to be. A lot of people still opening. So funny. I'll give you 30 seconds. Gosh, struggle bus. All right. You guys good? You ready? We take part in this as a reminder of who Jesus is and who he's calling us to be. And every week we pray... This prayer to to align our hearts, our minds, to, to what God is doing in our lives. And so pray this with me. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation... Deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen So glory to the father and to the son and to the holy spirit As it was in the beginning is now and will be forever On the night that jesus was betrayed he took bread And after giving thanks he broke it And he gave it to his disciples. He said this is my body which is broken for you Do this in remembrance of me In the same way, after supper, he took a cup of wine. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant that's been shed for you. And covenant means the relationship. This is the blood of the new relationship that has been shed for you. And he gave it to his disciples, and he said, do this in remembrance of me. Later, reflecting on this, the Apostle Paul said that every time that you and I, we gather and we take this bread and we drink from this cup, we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he returns. Which means we, we remember what Jesus did, that he was broken and poured out for the sake of the world. And that we're reminded that as the body of Christ, we are called to do the same. To be broken and poured out for people in our lives. And so take the bread and look to the person next to you and say, the body of Christ is broken for you. And now the cup, the blood of Christ that was shed for you. All right. Good job. Let's so all stand. Grab hands with the person next to you if you like. And we will pray and go home. And so, so Father, we just thank you for this, for the story of these disciples and Jesus coming alongside of them. Oftentimes, Father, that is us walking blindly down the road and so may we have eyes to see you with us may we have eyes to to follow you in our life and so we ask holy spirit that you just be with us this week we ask that you guide us and that you keep us and in jesus name everybody said amen Amen. see you guys